Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to take a fresh look at the research and development work that's paving the way for self-driving trucks. With each passing year, we've seen continued investment, expanded on-road testing, and new fleet pilots focused on solving the technical and operational challenges of deploying fully autonomous trucks in specific applications. Tech developers and their industry partners are now closer than ever to making this vision a reality, but when will autonomous trucks be ready for a commercial rollout? And how and where will the industry deploy this technology when that time comes? I raised those questions during a visit to Torque Robotics Testing Center in Albuquerque, New Mexico back in November. While I was there, I had the opportunity to ride along in one of Torque's self-driving trucks to get a first-hand look at how the company's autonomous driving system navigates challenging real-world traffic conditions. You can read my coverage from that event by visiting ttnews.com or subscribing to Transport Topics at ttn.ws slash ttsubscribe. You can also text ttsubscribe to 571-622-0001. After the ride-along demonstration, I sat down with Torque CEO Peter Von Schmidt and Joanna Butler, head of Daimler Trucks Global Autonomous Technology Group, to discuss when autonomous trucks will come to market and how they could fit into the freight transportation industry. Let's play that interview now. I'm here at Torque Robotics Testing Center in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I'm very excited to speak with Torque CEO Peter Von Schmidt and also Joanna Butler, head of Daimler Trucks Global Autonomous Technology Group. Thank you both for taking some time out of a busy event to, to chat with me. Thank you, Seth, for having us. So during this visit, I had the opportunity to ride along in a self-driving Freightliner Cascadia outfitted with Torx's autonomous driving system. So this is a pretty complex uh, driving environment, I would say, uh, just as a you know, driver myself uh, and passenger car, you know, can imagine how difficult this would be to navigate for a professional driver with all the traffic, uh, pretty abrupt lane changes to you know, get where you need to go and, and navigate the, uh, the intersections and, and interchanges in the highway system here in Albuquerque. Uh, and also some uh, pretty aggressive drivers I noticed on the road out here. Uh, so it seems like this is a, a pretty uh, a challenging environment, uh, but during that ride-along, it was just over 30 minutes, uh, no disengagements from highway on-ramp to off-ramp, and that included multiple lane changes and moderate to even heavy traffic. Uh, the truck you know, negotiated on and off-ramps, and also an intersection with a stoplight, which I you know is part of the, the, what the system will handle as well. So I'll start with you, Peter. Just talk about the progress you've made, especially in the past year or so, to really refine the system, to, to smooth out all the question marks and, and prepare for all the edge cases you may encounter uh, as you work toward ultimately commercializing the product. Yeah, I think uh, this year our main theme was really to, to make the transformation from technology development to really developing a product. And um, yeah, it sounds similar, but it's really something different. A product must be something which is super reliable. And so it's, it's working really on the foundation. 
uh, on the entire sensor and compute suite, making it, uh, we call it uh, production intent, automotive grade. Uh, yeah, and last not least, of course, uh, working hard on, on all those uh, virtual driver features from perception, perceiving our environment, to fusion, to behavior, but also all support structures which are needed, for example, simulation, uh, so that we can validate and prove that our system gets safer and safer and safer, and we are progressing to the ultimate goal of taking out a safety driver in the year 27. Yeah. Uh, it was an exciting year uh, on this journey. For sure. And then uh, from the Daimler truck perspective, of course, it's not just the technology, it's also the vehicle. And uh, there's been a lot of work in recent years to build this you know, safety redundant uh, Freightliner Cascadia chassis with redundant steering, redundant braking, uh, along with some other systems to make sure if there's a critical failure and there's no driver on board, there's a backup system in place. Uh, so, you know, Joanna, just take us through uh, all the work that's gone into, you know, getting, you know, this, uh, this vehicle that we see on the road today so often ready for autonomous operations as well. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I want to comment uh, on your intro that it's amazing um, the appreciation you get for truck drivers and the tasks that they fulfill yeah, for all for of sure. us, right? Like anything that we use is, is brought in by a truck um, and, uh, and going through this journey and really learning about how trucking works, right? Not just providing a vehicle, but also providing a business solution to our customers has been part of that journey. And then it all starts, as you mentioned, with uh, a good foundation, which is really the autonomous ready truck um, with all the different redundancy components that really have to be there to uh, act as backup systems in case we have a failure. And we've come a long way. I mean, it started all with basically a set of requirements, over 1,500 requirements that we have collected uh, from our partners uh, like Torque Robotics and then, re and then turned into actually the design that you see today in those trucks. Um, so from that start, from really a list of, of those requirements to now having a product or are on the way to really a series product has been a great journey. So we uh, we call it um, C sample maturity, or you can also refer to it as pre-production uh, tracks. So all of the systems, like the braking, the steering, the power net that actually um, has to ensure that you have uh, the right levels of power are generated at all times and all the critical systems are powered up at all times uh, has been further developed. We've made uh, various iterations of those designs. We've learned early on uh, together with, um, uh, the with the feedback that we're getting from our partners, but also uh, what we learned by um, taking uh, the prototype track that we first built up in our prototype shop, and now we've been taking it actually to our production plants. So now there's a whole other slew of things that we're learning because we're moving from manually assembling these tracks to actually implementing series production processes to be able to assemble them at the same reliable, repeatable quality that our customers so appreciate. And we want to make sure um, that those tracks are just as great as the uh, traditional Freightliner Cascadias that they're running today. Yeah, really running you know, from uh, the, the prototypes on the road today to getting closer and closer to that final uh, production uh, mass-produced model. And uh, Peter, you mentioned you know, the time frame for commercializing this technology. That's always you know, one of the first questions that always comes up. And you know, I'd say that Torque has been um, maybe more um, you know, guarded or cautious uh, you know, than, than some of uh, you know, the other players in the space on setting a, a 
firm time, you know, for when for a target for for commercializing and, and launching. But uh, you know, based on conversations and you know, guidance earlier this year from uh, Dymo Truck, uh, 2027 is that target to commercialize and then looking to scale up deployment from there through 2030. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about that road to commercial launch, you know, where, where we are here to where we, you know, will be at that point where this is a commercial product on the road. Uh, you laid out, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, some of the initial lanes, uh, starting with, uh, you know, announced here today, uh, this uh, initial lane from Laredo to Dallas uh, in, in Texas, you know, you know, north-south, you know, Mexico into uh, Texas. Uh, Tell us about you know, how you're going to prove the case in that first lane, uh, improve the return on investment, and then from there, eventually turn these vehicles and the technology over to your fleet customers. Um, yeah, you're, you're spot on first. We announced 27. Why? Because we, I think, uh, we are pretty sure now and self-confident that we will have um, all pieces together by then and also can prove it out uh, to ourselves, to Daimler, to society, to regulators. So that is really a safe thing and a mature product by then. Uh, and by the way, that includes a lot. That's the software, it's the vehicle, but it's also the entire ecosystem and so on. Um, and yeah, we, we, we decided uh, that the cool thing about this technology, it's not really about a lane or two hubs on a lane or something like this. In the end, we, we are developing um, a capability and a feature set that can serve more or less everything i40000 and it's just a question where, 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 where are we starting with the first application and where, where are we then scaling next but it's all foreseen here yeah? uh, in, in, if you only can do one lane with two hubs this is not really a product yeah? so it um, uh, so, so for it's more, more important that we're really um, developing something broader which can be scaled and just start somewhere and here we are listening to our customers. Um, our customers, um, with all the nearshoring which is going on, uh, a lot more freight entering from Mexico into US, uh, right. that they gave us the strong advice um, to look through this route. And we listened to our customers. In the end, you know, we, we wanted our uh, technology get supplied by fleets and creates value for the fleets. And so that that's why this might be the starter. Yeah, yeah good, good starting point. And it's interesting to see how the conversation has shifted. I mean, remember, uh, a number of years ago when it really felt like the conversation was really tied to freight kind of flowing from the Southern California ports and you know into the rest of the country, especially along the, the Sun Belt. But uh, there are all kinds of different opportunities in the Southwest as a sort of this first emerging uh, market for uh, autonomy in the trucking industry. Uh, along the way, you know, it's, I think Torque is in a, a pretty unique position compared to some of the other autonomous vehicle manufacturers and uh, developers. Uh, because it's an uh, ind independent subsidiary of a truck manufacturer. Uh, that's not uh, you know, the usual model uh, that's out there uh, today. So, uh, of course, that matters. That matters a lot because there's so much very important integration work to tie this virtual driver, the sensor suite, the software in with a vehicle that's designed to operate autonomously uh, at the factory level uh, so maybe just uh, describe this working relationship between you know Torque and Daimler. You know how the yes um, you know independent subsidiary, but you know it's you know a closer relationship than you know perhaps working with a completely separate third party entity. Uh, what are some of the advantages of that approach, uh, Joanna, and how does that inform how Daimler and Torque work together? 
yeah, as mentioned, I think we we get um, to really give each other feedback so much earlier on. So again, it starts with understanding the requirement and we can go back and forth uh, on those and how we turn the requirements into a specific design. Let me give you an example. For example, um, if Torque tells us uh, what the sensor suite requirements are, where they are positioned, we will take that in as input, but then our designers will go in and actually make sure that it integrates uh, nicely into the roof cap, for example. Then we will play that back to Torque and say, hey, this is how we envision uh, the sensor placement, and they will have to verify that it meets their perception, field of view requirements. From there, we can then say, okay, now we have a design that we can want that we want to go to production with, and then the productionization starts, so to speak. And having that constant collaboration and back and forth, and basically two teams that uh, kind of like complement each other in, in their in their strengths and capabilities is really critical. But at the same time, also know how to speak the same language, you know, so they understand and can translate requirements into features or or hardware designs and vice versa. So that's one aspect. The other aspect I want to mention, uh, besides just building up the track, integrating the level four technology, is as Peter mentioned, it takes really also a view on how do we go to market? What's the entire ecosystem? Um, we've started to look at the, the customer value chain or the customer's journey, so to speak. And we, we realized that even from, let's say, the order process to Second Life, we have to work together on each step along the way to identify who's doing what, who's providing what type of service, what who has which role, and then how do we ensure that this is seamless for our customers. Our customers expect from us uptime, serviceability, a great customer experience, a product that ultimately provides them uh, a higher value. And, and in order to ensure that the processes and the interactions with our customers have just to, to be uh, best in class as well. And then uh, we can um, align and refine that uh, on a daily basis and together with our customers work on that process as well. Uh, sure, yeah, I think to add to that, Peter, you know, from your perspective of leading uh, the team at Torque, uh, it's a big fun to collaborate with uh, uh, with Freightliner DTNA. I think this integrated approach is also really the only approach that that will give you a, a safe, scalable product. Um, I mean, you have so many advantages um, over retrofitting something in prototype shops. Um, if this is really integrated, created without IP barriers uh, and comes from assembly lines, uh, this is really a really great thing. It's also good that Torque is led as an independent company because in the end, we are building a really big, strong software company. That's a virtual driver, uh, which is then integrated uh, into really, really complicated um, yeah, vehicle, robot, however you want to call it. And I think it's important that this is a really different skill set. And uh, so you have the best of both worlds, but you also manage them. We manage us like you should manage a software company and Joanna is managing the vehicle like, like a best, best in class vehicle manufacturer does it. And I think that that's how you create a really world class pro uh, product in the end. Hello, Roadside listeners. Dan Ronan here from Transport Topics. I'm here to tell you about our new extended cuts of the Road Signs podcast. If you like what you learn here, I think you're going to really love this. So what is the Road Signs extended cut? Well, instead of ending the recording and saying our guest farewells, 
We're keeping our expert guests around for an extra one or two questions to gather a deeper, fuller picture of the influential topics in transportation. We capture that insight and convert it into a printable download that will help you navigate the latest trucking trends and guide your next business decision. Considering the easy, linkable, and printable format, you can keep the extended cut for your next big meeting, send it to your friends and colleagues, or pack it up for your next big conference. So how do you get the latest download? Well, it's real simple. Visit ttn.ws forward slash extended cut. That's ttn.ws forward slash extended cut. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And, of course, uh, along the way, in you know, the past uh, year plus, you know, Torque has been conducting some pilots with actually some of the biggest names in commercial trucking. You know, we had a, uh, some executives from Schneider and uh, CR England um, at this event. And um, one of the highlights, I think you mentioned one of your you know, longest, or I imagine your longest pilot route is about 1,000 miles from Phoenix to Oklahoma City. And I think that's a very interesting example of you know, what you know, might be possible if you stretch the limits. But... Uh, could you give us an overview of, of these pilot programs and you know how like where you're operating today with your customers, what type of freight you're moving, and what you're learning, what Torque is learning from working with these uh, industry partners? You know, Peter, I'll start with you on this. You know, just you, how you're learning and, and what they're learning as you collaborate together on these these pilots. Yeah, our first pilots are we, we did around Albuquerque, and you know Albuquerque is in the middle on this long stretch of the thousand miles from Phoenix to Oklahoma City. We might then do other routes uh, uh, going forward uh, uh, on pilots, but the learning is enormous. First of all, what does it really take in terms of operation uh, to cover a thousand miles from the software, from the mapping, but, but also from the arrival, from the departure, all the tracking in between. Is your system healthy? Um, will you arrive on time? And by the way, uh, have you heard it today from the customers? 100% on time, uh, always safe, and the load was never damaged. I liked it very, very much to hear this feedback from the customers. Uh, yeah, but, but we really learn a ton. What does it mean uh, to operate such a, such a product? And, uh, you know, that there's wind, there's rain, there is congestion, all there's night, there's, there's day. I mean, you really expose your system over such a long stretch to so many things, uh, which is great. And then, of course, uh, the, the other aspect is the, um, the interaction with the customer, uh, especially upon arrival and departure. How does that work? What needs to be done? How does it integrate into their system? How do you even get a, an order, so to say, to the truck? That's your mission. Go. Uh, a ton of learnings. 
Yeah, because there's not more. There's so much more than just the truck, right? There's uh, and you, you laid out uh, how some jobs could even shift a little bit you know, in the future. You know, a dispatcher could become a you know autonomous vehicle uh, manager, dispatcher, and you know a person you know working at a hub, a transfer hub for an autonomous vehicle will handle some of those you know the physical uh, requirements like uh, refueling, you know, topping off the you know the DEF and uh, pre-trip inspections that still require a person to do. It's not fully automated, uh, but you know you can see how there are almost new career paths, you know, coming into being because of this. Uh, you know, Joanne, I'd be interested in hearing you know your thoughts on how uh, you see you know industry jobs you know, potentially changing. Right, you know, not just the driver, but also uh, which you know driver jobs could shift potentially to more regional and local routes you know, to support hub-to-hub autonomous operations. Uh, but also these jobs that uh, happen around transfer hubs and also managing and providing services to support an autonomous trucking operation. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe uh, real quick just to, to, to um, talk about the driver job in itself. You know, we also believe that autonomy can really improve the quality of the job of a driver, allowing him or her to be home at night with a family uh, every night, be home at the weekends with her family. So. I think that is definitely a benefit. And then, as we saw today, new jobs may emerge, uh, call them mission managers, for example, a person that oversees uh, the entire autonomous mission that gives also the okay of the launch uh, of the autonomous vehicle after all the checks have been completed by the hub operators. So you'll have new roles and new interactions that will form in the industry, but at the same time, I also want to make sure it's not it's not going to be so disruptive that these are these are jobs that couldn't evolve from already existing roles, right. like you ma- you mentioned the dispatcher, for example. And as we identify those roles and the tasks early on, actually this is part of the transformation as well, and uh, we can start communicating that with the workforce. We can start building out training programs and upskilling programs. Now, identifying what it is that we're looking for uh, in those roles, in, in that personnel that are, is going to perform that, and working with customers together. And we heard it also today that they're very open in, in, in understanding that and even you know, have potentially their, their own infrastructure, how they can broadcast and, and promote that within their workforce. So I think that's great. Um, but even simple things like the role of, of a vehicle technician at a dealership. We are adding new components, new technology. Um, we're trying to keep, obviously, safety is always the, you know, is the, is the primary motivation. But we're also thinking about a little bit of simplicity. How do I introduce this technology without any shock value or disruption? Uh, so we have components in the redundant chassis that are upgraded or have software uh, on them that is, yes, new and, and innovative, but the component itself, take, for example, the alternator, 48-volt alternator that we're introducing looks exactly the same like today's 12-volt alternator. It packages in the same way, so a technician should know exactly what to do when they have to replace or repair it. Um, but of course, they have to understand there's a lot of software that's on this vehicle today, and the roles of... Um, diagnostics, commissioning uh, of the vehicle, and really the, you know, understanding how to manage uh, a very software-driven tool now is also going to be important. And so uh, my team, for example, as we are developing uh, the autonomous platform, so the vehicle, we're at the same time also developing the proper documentation training material, 
how to upskill, first of all, our technicians in our prototype shop right. so sure. they know how to handle it. And then from there, it will scale eventually to all the technicians at our service locations. Yeah, well, it's really fascinating to think of you know, today's uh, truck technicians. You know, some of them may, you know, their career path may lead them to become you know, autonomous, vehicle, autonomous truck uh, technicians at some point in their career. And it uh, sounds like a pretty cool, exciting job to be Absolutely. at the forefront of. Uh, and just going back to, you know, again, what this all means for, for drivers, I always think that's a very important mm-hmm. part of the conversation whenever we talk about uh, autonomy, you know, how, you know, uh, the industry's workforce will interact with it and, you know, talking to developers like Torque and also talking to your prospective customers, you know, makes it very clear that, you know, the industry views this as something that's going to complement the industry's workforce, not replace it. This is something that will potentially allow fleet operators to expand their operations, improve the efficiency of their operations, and hopefully improve the jobs of professional drivers and to better suit their lifestyle preferences, more home time, and uh, really kind of craft that, you know, future jobs that uh, the next generation of truck drivers, you know, will want uh, to, to, to hopefully, you know, make into a career. Uh, and really addressing one of that, you know, one of the industry's biggest, you know, longstanding pain points, which of course is recruiting and, and yeah. retaining drivers. Uh, you know, Peter, you want to just talk to that, you know, to and speak to that, uh, uh, the challenge and of uh, you know, building and supporting the industry's workforce, but also how uh, autonomy can support that. You know, you know how fleets are going to hopefully. Uh, build some better jobs in the future, and also address you know what I think is a you know the misguided narrative that this is going to replace driver jobs, which is still out there, right, and still has to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, oh, I think first and foremost, we there is a driver shortage, so and we're trying to address this, but this technology won't come overnight, um, and I do not even think that it has the potential to re- to replace the entire driver shortage. So it will remain, it, it will be still a job that is in high demand and it might be more attractive, as you said. There's the opportunity that you drive more local and, and let some maybe also overnight roads uh, to the robot. Yeah. Um, that, that will improve life. That might be good for society, um, shifting transport into night, reducing congestion. Or making transport more efficient in the end, or a more efficient supply chain that means goods arrive faster, but usually also at lower cost. That could drive down cost for all of us because all the goods that you have in a, in a grocery store has been at least once on a truck your milk, your food, your, your vegetables. Uh, though I think there are a lot of good things that come, come from, can come from this technology. And in terms of job, um, we, we touched upon this. Um, it also creates a ton of new jobs, not only uh, highly paid uh, software jobs, but you know also mission managers on the hub. And uh, I think, uh, and also for technicians, pretty cool tech to handle. I'm, I'm sure they will like it. Hey, Road Signs listeners, it's your man, Mike Freeze, here to tell you that the call-in lines are open. What does that mean, you may ask? Isn't this a podcast, not a radio show? You're correct. But we found a new way that you can call in and leave myself or my co-host, Seth Clevenger, a message. Leave us a message on new topics you'd like to hear more about or ask questions you may have about the trucking industry. Give us a ring at ttn.ws forward slash speak pipe. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. 
pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Of course, you know, where we are today with the, the current state of technology, current state of development, you know, there's a safety driver uh, behind the wheel. There's a, you know, a safety conductor or operations specialist in the, the passenger seat. You know, that's how you're testing on public roads today. Um, you know, certainly out of an abundance of caution to do that as safely as possible. Uh, and, of course, that was my experience on the, on the ride along, of course. You see how the, um, you know, the safety driver you know, essentially hands over control to the autonomous driving system when you get to the on-ramp. But they're still very much overseeing how the vehicle is operating. But, of course, the goal is to enable fully autonomous, unmanned operations on, again, these certain freight lanes on the highways, um, specific routes that are, that are targeted and well-suited to the automation. Uh, but how do you know, you know when the time is right to pull the safety driver and you know, begin unmanned operations and, and early unmanned testing on public roads? And I know that 2027 uh, target is there, but you know, how do you know when, when, indeed, we are ready, the time is right? Uh, we, we we call it validation concept. So, so we we have a concept um, how to prove to ourselves and and but also then to regulators uh, that it's safe, um, safe to remove the driver. And we are measuring um, with safety performance indicators how we are progressing towards this target. You're making really really good progress there. We are not there, so that's why we are still still testing and testing. Um, is done in a really, really responsible way. So we are first testing the software, and then we go in simulation, we have closed cost, hardware in a loop, software in a loop, then we do a pretty limited street test on public roads with the crews, and then, so um, we, we keep all of this um, un, until all parameters are on the target levels, uh, so that, uh, that we can really prove it safe. Yeah, and at this will still take some time. We are making really good progress. But that's why we are also saying, hey, 27 for us um, is the time. But it's more than just the software that needs to be um, finished by then. You also need your super reliable, redundant foundation, the autonomous radio cascadier, same for sensors and computes, same for the entire mission management and ecosystem. Although um, all the things will be ready by 27. Um, yeah, and we have a lot of checkpoints uh, in between. Okay. Well, great. It would be uh, very interesting to, to watch uh, the progress these next uh, few years uh, on the way uh, to that commercial launch. And you know, we're at a stage now, I think, where it's, it's really uh, almost amazing to think back to where this all began and you know, this conversation began because you know, I started at Transport Topics 12 years ago. Nobody was talking about autonomous trucks. That was not a conversation. Uh, so you go back to 2015, I believe it was, with the you know the unveiling of the Freightliner Inspiration truck, right? This is the first big, you know, concept of a self-driving truck. You know that concept, of course, has evolved since then, but has been uh, you know eight plus years, and uh, really sparked a conversation at that time. And you know, I, I remember you know some of the initial reactions, and some you know, it, just, it still felt very futuristic in 2015, almost you know like the Jetsons, but. <laughs> You know, here we are now, like, right, you're, you're, you know, all these uh, pilots on the road today, you know, yes, with a safety driver, but the technology is getting closer and closer to commercialization. So, you know, Joanna, just looking back, you know, maybe just reflect on where we are today and how far we've come since uh, 2015. 
Yeah, I, I usually like to look into the future, you know, you strategize what will the future look like, but sometimes it's just nice just to pause and kind of reflect and think back exactly what you just said. And yes, in 2015, we launched the Inspiration Truck, which was the first truck uh, that was automated and uh, licensed to run on public roads. And yes, it was certainly a concept truck. It was a very bold vision that we put out there, and but it was kind of the spark that initiated a lot of other technologies and not just conversations, but ultimately really the development of it. For example, today we have the so-called level two uh, semi-automated or uh, advanced driver assistance systems in series production. Right. And uh, things like that, that inspiration track certainly inspired those developments and the idea of hey, if we had a, you know, if we can automate certain driving performances, we can make the truck safer, we can add driver comfort, uh, and ultimately, um, you know, reduce accidents on our roads. And then from that point on, and I think it was really uh, beginning of 2019, where then we put out the next big bold statement, which was, we're going from level two to level four, we'll skip level three, and we believe in level four, um, highly automated driving, meaning not needing a human under certain uh, conditions. And then really that uh, whole um, partnership and collaboration with Torx started that year. And even the same year, um, Peter, it was your, it was your birthday, mm -hmm. uh, September 6th, just in case somebody would say happy birthday uh, on that date. Um, sorry for revealing that. Um, we actually already had our first uh, Freightliner Cascadia with the torque uh, stack running, I believe it was in a test track, but it was in, it was running uh, autonomously. Mm -hmm. And then after that, shortly after, we already ran on public roads. So it's just amazing to just reflect on how a vision can turn into reality if you have the right people, if you have the right strategy, and you do it in uh, in the right phases. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing year to year. You see the progress, and then you know, you add those years together, and it really has you know, been a lot of progress. And you know, Peter, I'll ask your you know same thought on that, and you know, how far we've come uh, really since you know the mid you know the middle of the last decade to where we are now. Yeah, I, the, the progress is just amazing, and uh, yeah, you were remembering this first drive, and that it was the first time that I started really believing, hey, mm -hmm. this this could become reality. Uh, I, I think key success factor, by the way, is, I mean, we stick to our strategy from day one. Uh, we said um, the most promising business case is trucking, and by the way, that's our business. Um, it needs focus, so that we said, okay, let's start with class 8 US, Cascadia, nothing else, no hobbies. Uh, and we really stick to the strategy, and we always said, hey, it will be end of the decade, now we got a little bit more specific with 27, but we never ended the hype cycle. Um, so that's why we are also now not that depressed. Uh, we always had the core beliefs, hey, it must be on automotive-grade sensors, automotive-grade computes, a fully integrated system, because we want to build a product that can meet cost targets <laughs> and reliability targets. They are not, not a tech demonstrator. Mm -hmm. And it's cool now seeing this because in the meanwhile, there's so much progress in the in the base things here. Yeah. Today, there are LiDAR, laser scanners, used in level three highway pilot systems. Uh, and now, now they are ready. Three, four, five years, they were not ready. You had to do your homegrown things. Uh, same with imaging radars. 
same with the compute, but also all the progress that has been made in simulation um, or AI, ML, so uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, that just brought the performance of our system and of perception to complete next level. All of this we can now leverage, put together, and concentrate our money really on the core development of the virtual driver stack for the truck, but in the periphery benefiting from all the things that the entire industry has done. And uh, I think uh, we, we had a really, really good timing with 27 and now it's really realistic. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in the interest of time, I'll maybe just ask each of you for you know, final thoughts on, you know, what's next for uh, you know, autonomous trucking and, uh, you know, just what the real potential is for, you know, what it can truly do for, you know, not just fleet operators, but also for, for society. You know, Joanna, Joanna, if you want to take a first crack at that and, you know, if you kind of project forward and as we see this technology, you know, on the road and, and fully deployed, you know, how can this really improve the movement of freight? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put it out there. We really always say we have a vision of zero, zero fatalities, zero unplanned downtime for our customers, and eventually even zero emissions. So while we launch this um, product with uh, a diesel technology in the first launch, we can also envision that it will scale, and we actually prepare for that to other platforms, other markets, other propulsion technologies. So yeah, looking ahead into the future, um, I hope and I truly believe that this technology will ultimately provide a more reliable, safer and equitable transportation to all of us. That means our clothing, our food, we will, we will all receive, you know, just in time, reliably and at an affordable cost. And that's what keeps us moving. Yeah, Peter, uh, anything to add to that? No, uh, really, um, I think the, our economy and the quality of our lives are really relies on, on supply chain efficiency and supply chains that work. And this technology um, has just a ton of potential to keep our supply chains efficient, uh, make them even faster. How, how, just think of all the cool things if, if goods arrive in half of the time. I, I think there, there can be a lot of really good things uh, once this technology hits ground and scales. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, certainly fascinating to, to write about it and cover it in the in the trade press. But uh, you know, I, you know, this has been a really good conversation. I appreciate uh, again the time and the, all the insights here, and and also just the opportunity to to see this in person. Right, you know, it's a, it means a lot more, and you, you learn a lot more uh, riding along and also spending some time at you know, at the, this facility rather than just hearing about it from from a distance. So so thank you for the invitation. Thanks for hosting. Uh, some of the uh, trade media here and uh, also thanks for your conversation on this podcast Uh, thanks again joanna and peter and uh, appreciate the time thank you thank you did you know you can ask alexa to open transport topics in just one minute you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original questions. When will autonomous trucks be ready for commercialization? And how and where will the industry deploy this technology when that time comes? As we've heard during this episode, tech developers continue to work with truck manufacturers and motor carriers to address the many technical and operational considerations for autonomous trucks. Autonomous driving technology will need to integrate with specialized trucks equipped with redundant systems and components to ensure safety when there's no longer a driver behind the wheel. And fleet operators will need to prepare facilities to serve as autonomous truck hubs 
and train their workers to maintain, dispatch, and monitor these vehicles. Autonomous truck developers have announced varying timeframes for commercial deployment. Torque, for one, is targeting 2027. But across the board, these companies envision rolling out this technology in phases, starting with small-scale deployments, typically in the Southwest, then scaling up volumes and expanding to more lanes over time. Ultimately, autonomous trucking could become a new mode of transportation, much like truck rail intermodal, that gives fleets and logistics companies another way to move freight while working to increase road safety, drive down costs, and even create more appealing jobs for the next generation of professional drivers. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. Also, let us know how we did by texting TT Survey to 571-622-0001. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.